the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 2. I am Seth Leibson, and whether you are at the cardinal points of north, south, east, or west, you can give us a call at 602-508-0960, and we'll kick off the hour with Steve in Tempe. Hello, Steve. Seth, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine. How are you, sir? Doing good. Thank you. Good show. Thanks. Like, uh, and uh, I... I, I heard you were talking about Oppenheimer yes, earlier, and just wanted to let you know that I did see that, yeah, that you movie. It? I did. Um, main reason I wanted to see it is I wanted to learn more about the the history of it. I knew who Robert Oppenheimer was and what he did, but I didn't know all the detail of it. And one of the things that I found the most, you know, I, I, that I was really curious about is his relationship with, uh, Albert Einstein, yeah. Yeah. and I won't say anything about about that, but uh, you know, just seeing the interaction between the two of them in the movies is incredible. So, did it uh, take you a couple minutes, as it took me, to figure out who that 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 the guy playing Louis Strauss was was Robert Downey Jr.? Took me a couple minutes to realize that was Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, Seth, I didn't even know until after the movie. Ah, that's how. Yeah, that's yeah, how. no, it took me a few minutes. It took me, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I didn't catch that at all, but because I was, so, I was kind of engrossed in the movie. But one, one thing I will say about it, um, and I don't know if you felt the same way I did, but uh, that movie was very long. Yeah, way too were, long. Way too long. Yeah no, yeah, no question. And there were, there were parts that, you know, the, when it, when it would cut back from the courtroom, you know, the hearing, yeah. and then back to it. It, it asks uh, a lot of people to sit through three hours. It, it's asking a lot of people to do that, and yeah. uh, it, it was just way too long. But the acting was phenomenal. The story was interesting. I think it hewed pretty close to history. I was discussing it with who I saw it with, and it looked like it's pretty pretty true to history. Uh, and there's a few flourishes here or there, a few emphases emphases here and there. The thing I was saying in the first hour, Steve, I was very grateful about and surprised by was that they didn't go into a lot of moral self-flagellation over the development of the atomic bomb in and of itself. They didn't make America a criminal for inventing this 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 weapon of war. And I, I figured they might. and They really didn't. Maybe, you know, in a three hour movie, maybe there was 90 seconds of that scattered throughout the movie. Not too terribly much. I would have expected worse from Hollywood on that. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that, but I would also, interesting that you say that, um, and and maybe you'll agree with me on this one, but wasn't it interesting, well, I don't know if I'm, I don't want to say anything that would spoil it for... Oh, it's a matter of history. Say what you want. People know the history. Uh, if they don't know the history, uh, they, they can access it, Yeah. Okay, well, um, when Oppenheimer was called into the White House yeah. to meet with Truman... Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, a little bit. That, yeah, a little bit. Didn't you think that was interesting yeah. about how yeah. they made Truman look? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, won't, I won't say anything more, yeah. but I think you know what I'm yeah. talking yeah. about. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, it 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 was. 
Um, my favorite story about Harry Truman is when he became president, he was giving a tour of the White House to the uh, press club. You know the story, David? And um, one of the uh, one of the press club, the press corps, and one of the press uh, one of the members of the press corps says to his wife, "I understand your man's uh, your your husband's a simple man from uh, from Missouri, but um, maybe maybe he could use uh, another." Another word other than the C word for talking about all the horse you know what that uh, that they use for the rose garden. And Mrs. Truman said, "Do you know how long it took me to get them to use the C word?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any word rhymes with rap that he was using. I I could probably say it, but I shouldn't. Anyway, yeah. go ahead, Steve. Sorry, sorry for yeah. the diversion. No, no, um, and and. Um I'll, I'll I'll just say to David. I mean, you, you, I think you're correct. In in was it? Didn't he say that he was wanting to see it in the IMAX theater? Yeah, he he he's that kind of guy. He's that guy. I yeah, and I agree with you. I think the next movie they have in the IMAX is the one to see there, and that's the, I think it's uh, there's a uh, Formula One movie that yeah, that up. could I mean, be that, that would do it. That yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, just. Uh, um, personal. Yeah, no. David is all about the yeah, the presentation. Yeah, right? yeah. He's 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 a he's a man of um, he he yeah he he views yeah. We'll we'll do this another nothing, time. We'll move on. Nothing wrong. With, yeah, nothing, <laughs> he's yeah, not, nothing, nothing, wrong, nothing wrong with that at all. But I, it was because you know you know I think the he's a man of flourish. Seeing, yeah, yeah. Obviously, seeing the the uh, test of the bomb itself in the IMAX. He's a man of cool. aesthetics, he tells me. Yes, okay, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. I just That'd wanted the cool. air conditioning. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. What else, brother? Yeah, yeah, Seth, I was going to tell you, too. Um, I, I don't know if you recall, but last week um, I was talking to you about how uh, the, you know, my 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 theory about the only way to clean up the FBI and the CIA is move to them. relocate said, them move out them. of Washington. Yeah. Look, re- relocate them, yeah. O- oddly enough. I was listening to another post on your network a couple hours later, and they brought up that exact oh, same theory. And the gentleman that was talking, I can't recall, I can't remember his name, but he he actually changed my mind on that just because uh, from the things that he said. And he said uh, he said no, that would not be the best way to do that because the further you move those organizations outside of Washington the further they get from any kind of oversight if you have yeah if you have a yeah it's a fair point so if you have a Republican administration uh, and a good one at that the further outside of that ambit uh, the further outside of that uh, shall we say shock blast to maintain the uh, analogies of, of the call um, the uh, the harder it is to maintain that control. You're right. That's that yep. that is a fair that is a fair counterpoint to the argument. Yep. And he used the CDC as the prime example mm-hmm. of that. Yep. He said, "You want to talk about an organization that's completely uh, running autonomously yep. from any kind of oversight? Yep. Look at look at what's what we found yep. in, about the CDC during fair the point. fair point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, I I and what he but he suggested though was he said if we do get a uh, second Trump administration coming in. He said the best way to do it is you've got to have individuals or even uh, teams 
going into these, like the FBI, the CIA, people that are uh, very well-versed in, in how they operate and who the right people are, and you've got to go in there and with have surgical those precision. Yeah, with surgical with, with, precision. With, with, exactly. Yeah, with I, let, let me say one more and, thing about these plans, yeah. these ideas, you know, move the agencies outside of Washington, hold a constitutional convention, all these things. You know what? It's, it, it's, it's all fancy enough for me, I suppose. At the end of the day, it's about winning an election with a strong Republican. That's what it's about. Yeah. You know, all the things that we kind of try and tinker around the edges of reform uh, uh, for, it's solved. It, it, it's a political solution. And, and, and that's, I think, what it is, is it's, it is tinkering around the edges. You know, give us a good candidate who takes possession of the office and takes it seriously and does the job. And then you don't need to deal with all these other, you know, interesting concepts and ideas that, you know, become become grist for op-ed essays and, and conferences. You know, it's about winning elections. That's what it's about with good candidates. That gets that's you the true. reform you want. Yep. No question. I think that's that's exactly it. And... I think the second time around, I think that would be to our advantage with Trump already knowing mistakes and being able to correct those mistakes that he made in the first term as it relates to that. And I think that'll make a big difference. Well, it's pretty (laughs) – it's becoming the consensus pretty quickly that Trump is going to be the nominee. Now, you know, we all have to articulate the usual stipulations when we say like when we say something like that we're months away from the first primary we're a month away from the first debate no votes have been cast but you know the more calls and conference calls i'm on with you know people of like mind and better expertise than i have the consensus is starting to emerge that if 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 there's going to be something that topples trump's nomination it's way off in the far distance, and you'd probably have seen it by now. Yeah, I, I agree to that. Thank you, Steve. All right, brother, Thanks, always Seth. good hearing from you. Got to run. I'm Seth Leapson, 602-5080-960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-5080-960 is the number to join us. David, what is your political pin of the day say um, uh, the, uh, uh, what, oh you didn't pin? wear one no i didn't why are you going dancing tonight or something or you just forgot i, I at some point i i'm, I'm gonna run out you know at some point and we're gonna start repeating but no i just i just forgot you think to bob hope told the same joke uh didn't tell the same joke more than once I definitely think he told. Yeah, the of course he did. You can wear the pin. You can wear a pin more than <laughs> you can tell. Wear a pin. Also, how old do I have to be to think comedian and think Bob Hope? I, yeah, that's a little embarrassing. I like Bob Hope. <laughs> Something a little better than that. Good night, like Bob Hope. <laughs> Bob America Hope. likes Bob Hope. He's I don't America's know if anyone in the audience remembers Bob. <laughs> yeah, you better remember Bob Hope. <laughs> He was too, he was entertaining troops all the way up until Iraq, the second Iraq. The key takeaways from Devin Archer's testimony today that the New York Times thinks isn't important enough to put on their website because they're busy writing about what's their major headline, Dave Matthews Band and his fans, or the Washington Post. They're not putting it up on their website because they believe the major story today is climate change. And uh, they haven't done enough on that, evidently. Uh, 
So here's the key takeaways from the House Republican Caucus. Devin Archer testified that the value of adding Hunter Biden to Burisma's board was the brand and confirmed that then-Vice President Joe Biden was the brand. Archer admitted that, quote, Burisma would have gone out of business if the brand had not been attached to it, close quote. He believed that Hunter Biden being on the board and the Biden brand contributed to Burisma's longevity. People would have been intimidated to mess with Burisma legally because of the Biden brand. In December 2015, Mykola Zlochevsky, the owner of Burisma, and Vadim Pozharsky, an executive of Burisma, placed constant pressure on Hunter Biden to get help from D.C. regarding the Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin. Shokin was investigating Burisma for corruption. Hunter Biden, along with Zlochevsky and Pozharsky, called D.C. to discuss the matter. Biden, Zlojewski, and Pozarski stepped away to make the call. This raises concerns that Hunter Biden was in violation of the Foreign Agents Registrations Act. Devon Archer testified that Hunter Biden put then-Vice President Joe Biden on the speakerphone during business meetings over 20 times. Archer testified that Joe Biden was put on the phone to, quote, sell the brand, close quote. These phone calls included a dinner in Paris with a French energy company and in China with Jonathan Lee, the CEO of BHR. Archer acknowledged that then-Vice President Biden had coffee with Jonathan Lee, the CEO of BHR, in Beijing. Then-Vice President Biden even wrote a letter of recommendation for college for Lee's daughter. Archer confirmed Joe Biden was referred to as my guy by Hunter Biden. In spring of 2014, then-Vice President Biden attended a business dinner with his son Hunter and his associates at Cafe Milano in Washington, D.C. Elena Baterina, a Russian oligarch who is the widow of the former mayor of Moscow, attended the dinner, notably the Biden administration's public sanctions list for Russian oligarch stocks does not contain Baterina. Um, you think this would be of interest to the Washington Post at all? Any interest at all? Do we understand more fully now why Joe Biden was holding up aid to Ukraine unless they fired Viktor Shokin and now brags or de- then bragged about it? He stopped bragging about it. Is anyone going to follow up and ask him about that? When you were um, when you were af- out of office as vice president, you spoke at the Council on Foreign Relations and bragged about holding off business, holding up business, uh, holding up economic and military aid to Ukraine unless they fire prosecutor victor shokin they fired him they got the money quid pro quo wasn't that by the way the phrase used in the impeachment of trump for his call to zelensky in ukraine it's amazing how much ukraine is part and parcel of the news here amazing how much ukraine is involved in all these things it was involved in the impeachment of donald trump it should now be involved in impeachment hearings with joe biden i don't know how you don't hold impeachment hearings with what is known now I don't know how you don't hold them. If nothing else, Joe Biden approached the presidency based on several lies about his tenure as vice president and what he knew about his son. I mean, that's not illegal to lie as a politician. Perhaps it's a rite of passage, but it is a political fraud on the public. You liked that, David? It is. It's unfortunately true. I, I don't mean it in a cynical sense. There are good people in government office and good people in politics who don't lie. But it's hard to say that a lie is a, polit- is, a is a crime. It's not. It's 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 just not. Not when you're running for office. Certainly, certainly, maybe in inducing a business fraud, it would be. 
But isn't it a little bit more important to induce a fraud to become the president of the United States? I should think so. I should think this should worry people. I should think if there is a single standard of justice, that if Donald Trump can be impeached for a quid pro quo, where he didn't dangle money, by the way, in front of Vladimir Zelensky, lest he, on the condition of he investigating corruption, he did not. He already said he got the money. He already authorized the money. He said further, if you could help, that would be great. There was no quid pro quo. The money was already authorized and sent. That's far. That's a far cry, and that was considered quid pro quo. It isn't. It's an abusive language to think that way. But what Joe Biden admitted to at the Council on Foreign Relations is quote, quid pro quo. You have 12 hours or what was it, six hours to fire the prosecutor or I'm leaving with the money. Well, son of a bee, he says. They fired him and we gave him the money. That's quid pro quo. Shokin, who was investigating Burisma, on whose board Hunter Biden sat and on whose behalf Hunter Biden met with officials in Washington, D.C., presumably including his father, to get the Ukrainians to fire Viktor Shokin. I mean, this is just—it's— it's 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 so simple and so silly. You know, you would often say it'd make a great movie. This wouldn't even make a great movie. It's so unoriginal. You could make a movie about certain things that take place in politics that blow you away. I get that. This isn't even that. It's uncreative. It's very Hunter Biden. It's very Joe Biden. It's just uncreative. But it's there. It's there. And it's not a smoking gun, it's a smoking Gatling gun. It's round after round after round after round. And the Washington Post and the New York Times have no interest in this. None. Zero. It's the same rule all over again. If there's a Republican in office, the newspapers and the media will investigate him to the hilt. If there is a Democrat in office, they will continue to investigate Republicans to the hilt. And they wonder why people think the system is rigged, and they wonder why people think things are unfair, and they wonder why people run to conspiracy theories, because what should make sense at a single standard just doesn't. I'm Seth, 602-508-0960. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life, or are they creating problems, enforcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter, from draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small businesses, and changed election laws, which may have led to a Biden presidency. Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power, and their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer, convert a portions of your saving or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency, have been used to store wealth throughout history. Thousands of you have already trusted the veterans at Midas Gold Group as they're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. Give the Midas Gold Group a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. 
was talking about the movie Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer a little bit earlier, and um, I was reading a review of it by Peter Hitchens, Christopher Hitchens' brother. He's a British writer. I think still lives in Great Britain, writes from Great Britain, Peter Hitchens. Smart. Um, he panned the movie. Um but I also think he might have done, and it's been floating around his review, which is why I raise it, and he is deemed a smart conservative. But, you know, not everyone is right all the time. And, and I think he gets something wrong in his panning of the movie. He says it was not the atomic bomb that got Japan to surrender. He said it was the threat of Russian invasion that got Japan to surrender. And that was so ahistorical, it sent me back to a few different places, including Winston Churchill's memoirs, six-volume memoirs of World War II, and a speech Winston Churchill gave August 16th, 1945, to the Parliament. And this Russian invasion business never comes up. Winston Churchill talks about the bomb. It was the bomb that got Japan to surrender. Um, I was thinking of that as well because, at least in my family, my dad was um, he was in the Battle of Okinawa, and he was going to be part of the invading force into Japan had we not dropped the bomb. And um, he ended up occupying Hiroshima about two months after the bomb was dropped little interesting slice of history there. Um, he didn't talk about it much. Uh, and in fairness, we didn't ask about it much. He did make a few points about it and said a few things here and there about it. Um, but, well, one of the... Th well, it doesn't matter. One of the things that's interesting, though, about the study of World War II and the study of how we talk about wars today is the numbers the, re the 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 sheer volume of people who are lost were lost in wars like world war ii you think about the battle of okinawa tens of thousands dead in two months tens of thousands at battle of Tarawa, something like three thousand in about 10 days other battles like that where you lost multiples multiples of what was lost in some of these forever wars which we regret and have uh, have been such a uh, weighed so much on the hearts and minds of of, of Americans since since 9/11 friend of mine wrote me um, wrote me an email we've lost a lot of resilience Bishop Barron channels Aquinas when he says we can pursue wealth honor power or pleasure you got that Wealth, honor, power, or pleasure, but they are all fa false. <clears throat> excuse me, they are all false gods, and they will turn on us. As a country, we pursue them all without virtue, and we have become the softer for it. Interesting, isn't it? We've become the softer for it. Only God can be true God. Not wealth. Not honor not power, not pleasure. And in that humility, we are hardened. We become soft by the worship and embrace of false gods. Kind of an interesting uh, thought I wanted to share with you. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Having raised the issue of um, the impeachment of Joe Biden, having raised that as a as a as a as an issue on the table, one has to think about uh, other effects. You know, for every action, there's a reaction. I don't know that it's always equal and opposite, but there is a reaction. And at least in politics, I don't know if it's equal and opposite. And one has to consider the very serious question of a weakened Joe Biden or an encouragement of Joe Biden not to run again for president and what that would mean. Would that usher in a much stronger Democratic candidate like Gavin Newsom? I say stronger not because he's done a good job as governor of California, but he is a very skilled political operator and a much better rhetorician than almost any other Democrat I can think of right now. Also, people don't seem to care about things like California and collapse. They just don't care. It's how people make you feel more than how they make you think, I suppose, for too many in the electorate. Victor Hansen writes, imagine if Gavin Newsom was currently vice president amid the final meltdown of the Biden family consortium. Does anyone doubt that Biden would then either be forced to resign by Democrat Democratic politicos or would be impeached and perhaps abdicate office, Nixon style? The presence of the now predictable mediocrity of Kamala Harris and the impossibility, given her race and gender, of removing her for now is about all that keeps a cognitively declining Biden still in office. The left fears what she could do as president to the Democratic Party. Conservatives are terrified of what she could do to the country. Joe Biden's bewilderment exempts his embarrassments from accountability in the way that Hunter Biden's addictions excuse his past serial criminality. But the passes granted to both father and son would be now unsustainable with a viable vice president in waiting. Indeed, the Harris problem explains some of the current Democratic strategy. Backroom leaks and growing insider rumors of Biden dementia confirm the portrait of an often befuddled president whom the public by now knows all too well. The aimless House Democrats, how dare you even consider an impeachment inquiry, Fuhrer, coupled with their half-hearted efforts, along with the media, to refute the actual charges of corruption of the Biden family, suggest that he will not run for re-election, but also not be impeached, much less convicted or removed under the 25th Amendment. So the Harris dilemma explains a lot, finding a way to keep her out of current power until Biden somehow finishes his first term and thus letting the Democratic 2024 primary candidates organically abort her presidential aspirations. There are a few problems, however, with this strategy. One, can Joe Biden Biden finish his first term? That would require his staff to shorten his already truncated workday for the next 18 months to about two to three hours of work per day. He would have to be kept away from the photo ops with young, especially female children, lest he turkey gobble the cheek of another victim to a worldwide audience. How is that scene not everywhere, by the way? You guys saw it? You saw it. It was just odd as hell. Go. You haven't seen it, Bill? Oh, do a YouTube of Joe Biden chicken pecking a young girl in his mother's arms. He can no longer read off a teleprompter without slurring his words, losing his place, or going off extemporaneously on the topics such as Vladimir Zelensky, the Iraq war in Ukraine, or relief over the curing of cancer. He cannot hold half-hour press conferences given his incoherence and his angry prevarications. 
He still insists incredulously that he never discussed the Biden family business with Hunter, although we may soon see transcripts, recordings, and affidavits that he was, in fact, intimately involved in and profited from it. I think Devon Archer got us a long way toward that today. Hunter is toxic and capable of leaving behind incriminating evidence or engaging in surreal behavior anywhere and anytime. Why would a former cocaine addict be brought into the White House after which a bag of cocaine was for the first time in presidential history found abandoned in the West Wing? Partial answer. Why and how would an addict leave an incriminating crack pipe in a rental car, simply abandon a laptop at a repair shop with evidence of his own felonious behavior on it, or allow his illegally registered handgun to turn up in a dumpster near a school. But of course, the cocaine baggie in the White House couldn't have been his, right? An outside disinterested observer who read the contents of the laptop and Hunter's wounded fawn protestations about his unappreciated role in enriching his father and uncle or digested his unhinged recent career as a quid pro quo paint-by-the-numbers artiste selling high-priced junk in exchange for presidential favors, would conclude that the Bidens are apprehensive of the unpredictable hunter. Keep your friends close, but your explosive son even closer might be the Machiavellian update. Of course they fear Hunter's recklessness and addictions and greed, but more perhaps his ability to take down the entire Biden clan should they distance themselves too far from him or leak that the family's corrupt schemes were birthed by the fall guy Hunter alone. Aside from Joe's cognitive decline and Hunter's volatility, no one believes anymore Joe Biden's patent lies that he never discussed with Hunter his lucrative grifting career. Already the untruth is transmogrified and to the, he ne, into he never did business with Hunter. And soon, perhaps, he never profited from the business he did and discussed with Hunter. No matter, by year's end, there will be witnesses and hard data showing that Joe himself discussed pay-for-play schemes with foreign entities of the sort he long ago boasted with previous immunity before a Council of Foreign Relations event. This is no Whitewater, Troopergate, Stormy Daniels scandal, but bribery of the bribery of the sort explicitly outlined by the Constitution for removal from office. Quote, the president, vice president, and civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Close quote. Selling influence to foreign government-related enterprises is, of course, not just bribery, but perhaps something worse, approaching treason as well. And it involves other high crimes and misdemeanors, among them tax fraud, on unreported foreign income. Moreover, it is arguable but that the Biden Shakedown Consortium has altered the very nature of U.S. foreign policy. We will never know the full effect of the false Russian disinformation laptop narrative following the fake Russian collusion hoax on Kremlin thinking, nor can we explain why Joe Biden once urged Vladimir Putin to lay off hacking humanitarian U.S. targets or suggested that a minor invasion of Ukraine would not elicit a U.S. response or ordered to airlift Zelensky out of Kiev in the first days of the war. Nor can we explain why China has never held accountable was never held accountable by Biden after new information entailed the role of the Wuhan lab in birthing the COVID virus or for sending a spy balloon across the continental United States with impunity. Meanwhile, the administration's crazy talk of partnering with a supposedly non-bellicose China hinged. And to all of this, the Washington Post and the New York Times could care 
less, not on their websites, not on there at all, not even after Devin Archer's testimony today. Speaking of everything else with regard to Joe Biden, how's he handling the economy? Inflation? There's still talk of recession, the stock market's volatility, bank failures. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed? Why Refi has that? They have a portfolio where you can invest in a in a secure and collateralized portfolio, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed, where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, and there are no fees. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm. You can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. And they're based here locally. I encourage you to stop by their offices. They're on Scottsdale Road and the 101. I've been there. You won't get a sales pitch. You won't be asked to sign a thing. But when you do meet with the team at YRefi, you'll see why I trust them so much, like them so much, and you will too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call 888-YREFI-34. There's an op-ed from Fox going around on uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson's second error in her opinion on the Harvard Affirmative Action case. Jay Green writes, Supreme Court Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson's defense of racial discrimination is falling apart. It's now well known that she repeated an embarrassing falsehood while while defending race-based affirmative action programs in college admissions. She asserted that matching black physicians with black patients doubles survival rates for newborns a claim that's equally unbelievable and factually unsupported. But it's not her only mistake. Her second error shows the diversity industrial complex deep corruption in medicine. She wrote in her opinion, in her dissent, quote, research shows that black physicians are more likely to accurately assess black patients' pain tolerance and treat them accordingly, close quote. Prescribe, quote again, for instance, prescribing them appropriate amounts of pain medication, close quote. A footnote refers to an amicus brief from the Association of American Medical Colleges, the same source that led to Jackson's first mistake. The AAMC brief refers to four studies in support of this claim, yet not one of them examine whether black doctors are better at treating the pain of black patients. All four document black patients' problems with pain management, but crucially, not one examines the efficacy of doctors of different races. The AAMC either failed to read the research or deliberately created this claim out of whole cloth, which shows you that Katenji Brown-Jackson and her clerks didn't read the studies either. They just took the brief for granted. You know there's a third error in her judgment, by the way. There's a third error in her statement. It's not just on the newborns. It's not just on the pain threshold. There's a third one, which is that minority students can't get into colleges and med schools without race-based affirmative action. And that's the real crime. It's a thought crime, by the way. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.